And welcome into Poke the Bear, episode 184, presented by CLNS Media and sponsored by our good friends over at FanDuel and Factor Meals. My name is Connor Ryan. Today, we are once again joined by the esteemed Ty Anderson of 98.5 The Sports Hub. Ty, what's going on? Just steamed. Not esteemed. Just regular steamed. Steamed. Oscar Steen or? Uh, I was thinking more like steamed ham. I don't know. Oh. But yeah. But no, we'll go with, we'll go with Oscar Steen. That seems cool. Small. He's got Quadzilla. Yeah, winning uh, a winning contributor to a to a good hockey team, right? I I feel like that. I mean, I, I wouldn't say a contributor though. I mean, I, I feel like it's not doing you service there. I mean, you're kind of a big deal. Yeah, I'm trying to blow up your spot, but yeah, no, I I am never ever gonna be a big deal. Um, it's like a it's a good thing I refuse to like people. People will like you know this like in this industry and. You see people and they're really nice to you and they're really complimentary. I don't know how to take a compliment. I'm just like, ah, when someone says I followed you on Twitter, my first reaction is always, ah, sorry. Like, I don't know what to say. I'm sorry. Sorry you do that. That seems like a bad idea. I appreciate it, but I don't know what to say. It's one of those things where uh, I I think you're all very, we're very flattered. We have that and it does mean a great deal to us. And I'm like, you know how many Nick Richie Moon fucking tweets you've probably seen? I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I populated your timeline with that. But yeah. Um, N- Nick Richie, my guy, by the way. Um I haven't looked at a stat line in, in a little bit here, but uh he signed in Finland. Yes. Uh when I last I looked, he had played three games in Finland. Zero goals, zero assists, minus five. 29 minutes and penalties. That's my guy. That is that is my guy. Just 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 an absolute monster. I, I miss him every day. Miss the moon. Absolutely. Yes. Uh yeah, it's not a great start for uh Nick Ritchie over in Finland, but uh by the same token, uh Bruins not doing very well in their last game against the Buffalo Sabres. Uh Bruins have been on a roll as of late, uh, mostly fueled by Brad Marchand going uh, sicko mode, as the kids say. Uh, comes to an end though against Buffalo on Thursday. Lose three to one. Uh, based on the way that game was going, didn't really seem like it was even that close. Um, I unfortunately was not present. I was watching the revitalized uh, Patriots defeat the uh, juggernaut that are the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I was not there. Ty, you were. Uh, when you look at that game and the way the Bruins lost, and maybe looking more from a big picture perspective. Are you more concerned by kind of the, the the drop in offensive production from this team or in still kind of what we talked about the last couple of weeks where it's more the, the defensive side of things and a few lapses there that are maybe a little bit more concerning at this stage of the season? Yeah, you know, I think the defense, you could work around that. The offense, I don't know if you could inject more skill and speed into a group that is a little bit, you know, lacking in that department. And I think you kind of noticed it last night. And we'll talk about this more, but, you know, they sit Matthew Patra and, and you really kind of see that they don't really have a lot of guys that can create their own spark. You know, they have David Postrock and they have Brad Martian and they have some high end talent, as we obviously know. But once you get beyond them, you're kind of relying on guys who, who really rely on a bounce going their way versus creating their own bounces. Right. And and that's a little bit of a difference of a team, you know, like. You look at some of the guys that started off hot and the way they've cooled down. You know, JVR has, I think, two goals in his last 14 games, I want to say. Um, you know, Morgan Geeky, you still haven't seen the offensive impact as much, uh, if it is there. Um, and, and so you have some guys that 
you know, are, are just so hot and cold that, and, and you don't know if they can tap into that, that level like consistently because they don't have the speed or, or in some cases the skill. So defense, you can coach offense, you know, you can't teach a, a plumber to be an artist overnight, you know, and that's kind of the issue I think you may have with the Bruins once you get towards the bottom of their roster up, up front for sure. Yeah. That's why I almost think that defense is more concerning, but it's also like the more fixable option. It's like, I think going into the year, we expected this was going to be a little bit of a slog offensively in terms of, all right, you do have the Pasternak's, the, the Martians, what have you, that are going to kind of have to be your, more or less your cheat code on most nights in terms of generating offense for you. But um, when you go and come on out of an offseason where you lose, what was it, I think 80 total goals, 210 total points, uh, it was to be expected you were going to take a step back in that regard. The defense, the rush defense, the the struggles with checking, I think those are things that are more like, Listen, like we knew the bread and butter of this team was going to be, which is when you goaltending and defense, having those lapses when you have that personnel out there on your blue line and on your overall defensive structure, I feel like that's kind of more concerning in terms of like, that's just, that's not right, right? Like, I feel like the offense, we knew going into this year that it wasn't going to be uh, an ideal situation. Again, it's even, I think, probably been better than most of us have expected. Like, we knew what Pasternak was going to do. We knew more or less what Marshall was going to do. Coyle and Zaka have still been very productive in their top six spots. You've had uh, contributions early on from guys like JVR, but I don't think anyone was expecting this team to be top five, uh, top 10, top five in offense going into this year. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. And, and you know, we're kind of looking at what these guys have done the last calendar month, right? You know, Charlie Coyle has seven goals in 13 games. Well, three of them came in one game, right? So that's, you know, this is a, a, a chicken shit way of looking at it, I know, but – so that's really four goals in 12 games. You know, you're looking at Trent Frederick. He had a two-goal game in there, I'm, I'm pretty sure. He has four goals in, in 13 games. So, okay, that's two in 12. Like, it's a little bit, you know, it's it's a little bit misleading, I think. You look at their numbers right now. Do you know who has the fifth most goals or the sixth most goals on the team uh, or in the last calendar month, if you had to guess? Is Johnny Beecher? Johnny Beecher with three goals and zero assists. He's outscoring... He's he has has he has as many goals as Jake DeBrusque. He's outscoring JVR. He's outscoring, uh, you know, Matthew Patra. He has the same amount of goals as Danton Heinen. That's your fourth line center, and so you can be happy about the production that you're getting from Johnny Beecher, which I am. But you look at the other part of the roster, and you're like, you need a little bit more juice here, you know, like a little more scoring oomph, you know, every night because it can't be. David Pasternak and Brad Marchand every single night. Like that's just, that's just not sustainable for this team. Absolutely. And when you look at the rest of that, that game against the Sabres, a big letdown game for, for Boston against a Buffalo team that people thought was going to be really good. Really haven't been all year. Um, I'm out. Who's... I'm out on them forever. I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm out on them yes. forever. They are officially in that. I'll, I'll believe it when you get to the playoffs, when you clinch the spot, that's what I'm going to believe in you. I, I've been burnt so many times. I've heard the bullshit so many times from people, and they stink. They still stink. Every year they stink. I, I'm, I'm so sick of hearing it. So sorry. That's my little Buffalo tangent for you. No, that's uh, warranted. And, and it's also very funny how Buffalo every year, too, finds a new way to, like, let down and hurt their own expectations. Like, we've had multiple years of, like, during the, the Eichel, ta- Eichel tenure where they were a playoff team going into Thanksgiving. They look like they were really building something. They plummet. This year's like even worse because you thought this year was all going to come together. Maybe not be a 
uh, a top team in the Atlantic, but you look at just the personnel in place, the skill, the the talent on defense in net. The Falcon hasn't worked now. It's like I really one I don't really know what to make of it, and two I think it once again reinforces for Bruins fans who uh, maybe uh, a year or two ago thought this team needed to fully blow things up and rebuild. And, you know, I don't think people thought they were going to realistically fall into a, a Bedard sweepstakes or anything like that. But people who thought they needed to clear house, start a new, all right, Bergeron and Krejci are gone. Let's, you know, rip the foundations up. This is what you get. Even when a team, like, like consistently lands top picks, top talent, that's not to say that also have been, like, busts. Like, I think Darlene's a, a very good player. Like, Levi has talent. Like, you stumble into, like, Tage Thompson, which that trade looked terrible for them, and now he's all of a sudden, like, morphed himself into, like, a more dynamic Rick Nash. Like, they have talent. They've hit on these different guys, and it still doesn't work out. It, it shows you just how much, especially in hockey, how much of a fucking crapshoot it is. So when you have a good talent, a good core in place, and you can add to it, and you have guys like McAvoy and Pasternak and Swayman and Olmark and all those guys, Keep it in place and keep it rolling and improv on the fly as opposed to fully blowing it up because, I mean, hell, even Detroit, a team that has historically been a, a winning franchise, uh, a team that has a lot of fan investment, a lot of pride, they've done their damnedest the last six, seven years to get back to where they are right now. It hasn't worked out for them. It is a complete fucking crapshoot. Yeah, and I've said to you before, we, we talk about it every time that Detroit – is in Boston. I, like, I can't believe that, like, the quote-unquote Iser plan netted them the guys that it did. And I don't mean that in, like, a good way. I, I mean, yeah. like, I thought they were going to get, like, superstar-level talent. And credit to Steve Eiserman. Like, they've done a good job of building a team. You know, Debrinkat's a huge ad for them. But elsewhere in the roster, it hasn't been like, oh, man, they're building a powerhouse. It's like, okay, you got a bunch of scrappy second and third liners. That's cool, but what's that going to get you when push comes to shove and you need the high end talent, which I guess is kind of where we're going to with the Bruins right now. It's like, you understand this is a, this is a, a you know, a bridge year, so to speak, or, or a, you know, a cap hell year, right? We all agree on that, but it really emphasizes like how much you need those guys that were clicking in the first month of the season to click again, because right now their dry spells, I think are, are putting a lot of pressure on guys that already play with a lot of pressure, beat your captain, you know, your first year captain who's trying to navigate how to be a captain or your $11.25 million right winger who uh, last night, by the way, uh, attempted 12 shots, 12, like he's trying to do it himself. And, and you understand why, but like they need some more support. So you got to hope that scoring comes, I think. Absolutely. And was there anything else that kind of stuck out to you about that, that Sabres game, whether you can write it off as, as a one-off or is it, more or less the same things we've seen that have sprouted up, whether it's the lapses defensively, uh, you know, not adhering to the strong forechecking game. Like, like what else kind of stood out to you about uh, what led to such a flat performance against a very beatable team this year? Yeah, I mean, another bad first period. I, I think that's been the calling card of this team this year is that they just get their teeth kicked in for 20 minutes and then they wake up and that's great, but you have to not dig your hole too deep in those 20 minutes and you have to eventually find your game. Um, I don't think they found their game. They found their game when they had a six on five with three minutes left as they were down two, though. It was over, you know? And so I, I think that, you know, these first periods, like you can think of probably six or seven first periods off the top of your head that have been 
utterly garbage this year for the Bruins. So it remains an issue. I think that's the biggest issue is that, you know, we always heard about this with Cassidy, the on-time start, right? And Montgomery's borrowed it. All coaches say it now. Um, but it's the biggest thing they're lacking right now. Like, they, they do not have one of those uh, anything resembling a consistent standpoint, in my opinion. Yeah, and it's also one of those things where you're, you're putting yourself in a bad spot anyway because, yes, you do have Pasternak and Marshand and, like, McAvoy when he's healthy, and you have, like, star-level talent, but you also don't have what you had even a few years ago. Or, like, let's say the Tampa Bay Lightning, who we agree are a super top-heavy team, but if they start slow, but then they're pushing it in the third period and they've got Kucherov and Stamkos and Point and Hedman, like, they've got enough elite talent at the top they can – will themselves and outskill a team uh, down the stretch and come away with two points or a point or something like that. Like they can absolve some of those slow starts based on how many, how much high end talent. It's not nearly as easy for this team. You can't have it just be one or two guys every single night to bail you out. It's not like uh, the Celtics were like Tatum or, or Brown, what have you, right? Like it's not a winning formula in hockey with the way this team is set up. So you no, know, you're right, Ty. It's definitely something they do need to clear up uh, moving I forward. What I yeah. would also say about that too is like we talk about, you know, how many goals they've given up with the with against an empty net this year. Well, you know, I'm not going to make excuses for them, but wouldn't you agree that that exact thing you're talking about plays to the strength of a Lightning, of a of a of a Maple Leafs because they can just load up with their skill guys. The yeah. Bruins win games when they make the other team have to roll four lines or or have to turn to like their their depth guys, right? And so. When your own depth guys aren't really carrying the load, that puts that strain on you, I think. So it's not cause for concern, but I, I think when the when they are built the way they are built, you gotta have a strong start out of the gate. You gotta be ready to go off the opening faceoff. You can't get outshot twenty-one to five in your own building against the Buffalo Sabres in the opening twenty minutes. That's insane. That can't happen. Yeah. No, not uh not a good response from the Bruins on, on Thursday night, but as we uh, continue to kind of dissect that game, let's take a, a brief break here, Ty, and from our good friends over at FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. And frankly, that's the best part about FanDuel, that you can bet on anything. You want to bet on how many wins the Patriots are going to have this year? Be my guest. Maybe how many shutouts Jeremy Swayman's going to have this season. Go for it. You can really do it all. So bet now on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season with an offer you don't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Mass., $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-trawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at fanduel.com sportsbook. Gambling problem? Hope is here. Go to gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. Go to gamesensema.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Once again, shout out to FanDuel and shout out to hopefully those who listen to the ad read and doesn't mention me shouting out Mac Jones again because that has aged poorly. Uh, but anyway, I digress. Ty, as we look at 
more of the aftermath from that game against the Sabres. Uh, a long-term issue for this team, uh, health of Charlie McAvoy. Uh, based on what Jim Montgomery said on Friday after their practice, seems like the Bruins dodged a bullet, took a, a shot up high from, I think it was Paterka, right? Yeah. Yeah so, so, yeah. He, yeah, so he goes, drops to the ice, doesn't play for a majority of the third period. Sure looked like a concussion or something like that. Montgomery mentions that it's not. Uh, anything head related, just good for the Bruins. But um, when you look at the state of this decor, where you're already missing a guy like Derek Forbert, who I think has been really steady all all season long, uh, can't afford to lose McAvoy for an extended stretcher, especially when uh, offensively you need a guy like him on your blue line right now. Yeah, he's part of the pillars, you know, the untouchable pillars that you can't afford to lose for any prolonged stretch this year. Um, Marshan is the other one. Pasternak is obviously one. And, and a weird one that I include in there is Charlie Coyle, because I just think mm-hmm. he's, he just does so many things for you as a centerman. Um, and, and so, yeah, you, you, you hold your breath every time this happens with him. You know, he he's taken some lumps this year, you know, and, and he can dish them out, but he has been taking he's been taking quite a few of them this year. So you hope for the best. You don't know, obviously, uh, until he's back out there on the ice. Um, but. This this did not look good in the moment. I was I he looked like he was on Dream Street, you know, when 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 he was getting back up to his feet, I noticed it from six floors up. I'm like, oh, that does not look good. And and he tried to hang, but you just tell that he couldn't. Um, when that happens, I do always wonder about the you know the the independent spotters, but mm-hmm. you know, it, it seems like uh you know they're gonna escape this one unscathed once again, another Charlie McAvoy injury scare that's going to fall by the wayside, you know, in, the, in a good way. Um, but no, they can't lose him. They, they just, they can't lose him. He's a, he's a, an ice shifting kind of presence out there. He's one of the only guys you have in the back end, in my opinion, who can lay the body. You know, they lost that with Connor Clifton and Kevin Shattenkirk doesn't really have that part of his game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so he, he's just such a, a tone setter. You can't lose that guy. So he's got to be upright for them. Yeah. When, when I think of the concussion spotters and the guys who pull guys off the ice, I remember the, I think it was 2018, 2019 when Marshawn got pulled from a game and afterwards, like his entire press conference was him just roasting the guy that the spotter took him off. He was like, yeah, he was eating like cheeseburgers up in the ninth floor. I remember that was like the angers I think I've ever seen Marshawn oh, yeah. in a post game scrum in the regular season, at least. I know he's had some uh, crispy uh, press conferences in the playoffs, but yeah, remember when uh, no, he yelled at me and I was like 50 cents? I was like, what do you say fuck me for? Completely unnecessary. It was like a, a very, like, very fair, rational question that had nothing, I think, to do with him, right? I think it was... It was like, about his it line. Did. It was about... It yes. was about... Because they, they... Really had out a of line, Ty. Really five. being a, a great win and you're just trying to dig a, and get the, the, the juicy sound bite, uh, trying to really throw, drag him through the dirt. Really well, unnecessary. Those playoff ones suck, too, because they pass you the microphone. And then you ask your question and you pass the microphone off because the exact question was, you guys had a great game, you know, Bergeron, Martian, Pasternak. You had a great game. What did you see that made it a great game for you guys after kind of going through some struggles? And he said, it's funny how you decide what a good game is. And I was like, fuck me for, but I wanted to be like, all right, then why is it a bad game? Tell me why it's a bad game, but the microphone's already gone, and then I'm now I'm a clown jumping over all these like stage chairs. He's trying to right. get past channel seven, channel twenty five cameras, just going back up there. 
I know, but like it makes me feel like I'm in the White House. Like, sir, sir, like I don't need to do that. But I'll never understand why he did that. I'll never get it, but that's okay. It all worked out. Yes, exactly. It, it happens, especially over a long emotional playoff run. Those things happen. I was like Oppenheimer yeah. in the testimony hearing, just like this. Every time he's going off, but I was also anyway, naked. Yes, yeah, so it was. Yeah, we did. We didn't talk about that. I didn't want to. I didn't want to bring it up. This is a PG thirteen podcast. We don't think we've said fuck a couple of times. I think you can only do that once per PG thirteen movie, but it's okay. It's all right. Breaking Bad gets uh, one a season. Exactly. So we get we get one per like. 50 episode run we'll do that that's fair so we won't we definitely won't do it again next week but uh but with uh with mcavoy status and especially fulbert now being out being put on ltir mason lori's back i think we've talked about um you know the talent that he has but also the the areas of improvement he needs to really shore up here um what'd you kind of see from him on, on thursday against buffalo and uh do you see any potential strides in his individual game i know uh, two points is the most important thing, but uh, how do you see him play, especially with a guy like Shattenkirk? Yeah, I actually thought that they had some good chemistry, some good synergy. Um, I thought they were springing one another well. I thought they were connected um, as a two-man unit in terms of uh, the breakouts and, and how to best utilize each other's reach and their skill set and their veteran know-how in the case of Shattenkirk. Um, so I thought that was an improvement. Um defensively, I just think it's going to be a work in progress. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be a full season before you're like, okay, he's grown into his body. He has man strength now, you know, like he's six foot five, but I swear to God, he's my weight. You know what I mean? Like you look at him, you're like, mm-hmm. man, you're, you are skinny, you, you know? And, um, you know, that's the biggest thing for him and it's going to come with time. But overall, I, I thought that the Shattenkirk, Lori pairing was good for him. I'd like to keep him away from from McAvoy if I can help it. I just think that it runs the risk of overexposure, which is not good for him. Um, at this point in his career, he's not ready for that. So if you can hide him with a veteran and give him a soft landing and control the matchup a little bit more, I, I like that. And I, and again, I thought he you know, he had a great pass on uh, the second period, it sparked the breakout, hit Johnny Beecher. Johnny Beecher then hit, I believe, Oscar Steen for for a look uh, that went just wide. But but tremendous pay, uh, poise, patience to make that play happen. So overall, I liked it. But you know, it's hard to look at things in the micro with him. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just yeah. like because you you have such high expectations and high hopes, and you you got to see the defensive growth. I think before you can really get a read on him. So I'm still kind of like, yeah, he knows what he can do which is offense right now. It's everything else I got to see more of. Yeah. He's a really fascinating prospect. And I think, I mean, even just his profile, right. Of an offensively gifted blue liner who's six foot five. I mean, that's, that is something that um, doesn't come around often. So I think why Bruin fans are so excited when I remember his first game in the regular season where he was really dominant. And I think all of us were like, Oh shit. What is this guy ready? Cause if this guy's ready to roll and can play 20 minutes and, can do that. Like you've got an impact guy in your top four. So I, I get why Bruins fans are really excited, but yeah, it is interesting just to see how I think people should preach, you know, patience with him because there's going to be those lapses, right? It's not like it's uh, every now and then. This is still a guy that I think Montgomery said it, he started playing defense when he was, I think 16 or 17. Like this yeah. is like Anthony Davis being uh, 
like a six one point guard, and then one year he grew like seven inches. Like there's reason why that guy is such a freak athlete, both Laura and Anthony Davis, because uh, their skill set doesn't really complement the, the the frame that they're in. Um, and it's not to say that Mason Laura is now going to lead the Lakers to an NBA title or hopefully get you know hopefully he's not getting hurt as Anthony Davis is. But uh, when you look at just how intriguing the prospect it is. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be anything sweeping, any sweeping declarations as to this season beyond just him building off the promise. I think it's going to be a couple of years before he rounds into what I think the Bruins hope he can be. Right. No, 100%. And I, I think, you know, I, I think what I hate about it is like, you know, I just talk about him and, and I say, I don't think he's ready yet. And people turn this into some great sort of like knock on him. It's like, no, he's just not ready yet. Like it takes time for guys to be ready. You know, Jake DeBrusque had a whole year in, in the AHL before we saw him. You know what I mean? And like, I know different positions, of course, but like season is not a bad thing. Seasoning is not a bad thing for a lot of these guys. And I think Lowry in particular, you know, like I, I think a lot of people are watching with their heart, not, not their eyes. And, and you know, your eyes and your brain will lead you farther when trying to analyze, you know, a player that you want to be part of your future for, you know, the next decade plus, it's great to have it now, but you know, I, I'm thinking long-term with him, you know, that's why I said it's so hard to think about him and with the micro, like, like I'm thinking long-term. So for me, it's like, all right, like how can you maximize that? So I thought it was a good start. I, I do want to see him worked into the special teams more at the yeah. NHL level. Cause I think that's the next step for him. Um, you know, Grizzlick's not bad on the PK, but, you know, I, I, at some point over the next 10 games or whatever it is with, with Forbert out, you should have opportunity there to get Lorai some, some PK work and just see what he can do there, if he can do anything there, because he's going to have to play those roles. He's too big and too long not to, you know, in his career, in my opinion. Absolutely. And I think when you look at on-ice reps and we're looking at uh, rookies, one guy who did not play on Thursday, Matt Potter, which I think people are like, what is he – Injured, is he banged up? Is it, you know, what was the rationale there? Jim Montgomery more or less said, uh, prescribed, you know, day off, right? Like this was part of their plan. And I think on Friday, he even mentioned that they're kind of taking a page out of the book of what the Ducks are doing with Leo Carlson, who's on like a Kawhi Leonard, like rest schedule of like every couple of games he's not playing uh, as they try to get a guy who's still really, really young, really talented, up to speed with the the pace and the, the strain that comes with an 82 game NHL season, um, which I get right. Matthew Potra, 19 years old, there's been ups and downs as I think we all expected, but I think we look at the ducks who are, again, they've t- taken some strides this year, but still a ways away from contending ways away from, you know, hinging on every single regular season game. It does feel like the, the Bruins are in a different spot where again, yes, you don't want to overtax a guy like Potra, but, should he be a guy that necessarily is on a augmented schedule when he, when he's in the lineup, he can really impact the game night in and night out if he's on. Yeah. You know, I'm pro resting guys. And, and I say this because, well, a Potter has never played more than 68 games in a season. That was in the OHL where your recoveries are a little bit easier because you were a teenager playing against other teenagers. You know, now you're a teenager playing against adults. So your body's going to need more time to recover. It's going to hurt more, you know, after games and after threes and fours and fours and six. And so, you know, and I go back to 2008, 2009, you know, the Bruins brought in Blake Wheeler, a great 
NCAA free agent, wanted to be with, with the Bruins, didn't sign with Arizona, came to the Bruins. He was phenomenal for 40 games. He was he was unbelievable. And then he hit a wall. And then he was just not effective. And I'm pretty sure he was healthy scratch by the, by the playoffs. Like, Potra is too important to this team to have him hit that brick wall. So, yeah, I don't want him missing games against Toronto or Tampa or Florida. But, you know, and, and it, listen, it's Monday morning quarterbacking now because they lost the game. But you should be able to beat the Buffalo Sabres who came to town losing four games in a row without Matthew Potra. I think that was a calculated risk by the Bruins. It didn't work out. But I do agree with the overall assessment, the overall idea of, you know, getting some rest because I, I, I think Patra is too important to hit that wall. That can't happen. Right. And he's different than Lucic, right? Lucic, you know, it was six foot four and two twenty as a 19 year old. He was, he was banging bodies right away. Like that guy could play 80 games. Right. I think Patra is different. He's five foot 10. You know, that feels generous to me, you know, as someone who stood next to him, um, 180 pounds. Again, that feels generous too. Uh, so, you know, it, it's, it's, you got to manage this kid, I think a little bit more. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, a marathon, not a sprint when it comes to some of these rookies. So I, I do get it for, from that perspective. Uh, I, do I not, do not agree with it though. I, no, I, it sounds like you are a Potra every game guy. I mean, I, I view it from terms of just the fact that when you look at just how important he is, I, I get having him in the lineup and having him learn on the fly of kind of the the strenuous nature of the, of the NHL and the schedule, but the way you map it out, I do kind of see that perspective of it, of the fact that you can't have him out there every single day playing 14, 15 minutes a night. It's almost like, all right, if there's situations where he's like that game against Toronto, where he's pulled for most of the third period, then I'm like, all right, well, I know you want to have him learn on the fly, but is he going to learn when he's just stapled to the bench? If it's every couple of games where, he's sitting out just to keep him, you know, his legs fresh and have him out there. I do get that, that part of it from the Bruins. It's just, as you said, I like to have Potter out there as much as possible because I think he's such a, a key building block for this team. And I think he's still an impact player now when he's still generating offense for a team that is struggling with it. But as you said, yeah, you want to keep him out there and have him playing. But if you get to February and we're in a stretch where he's got one assist in his last 12 games, shit like you're in that spot where again you don't have the the depth of the personnel there where you can go and um you can you know have him have him navigate those ups and downs those extended lulls you you just can't afford to have that so no i i went in with the with the the viewpoint that i think you need to play him as much as possible but you kind of mapped out a one of the worst case scenarios but one that is also very very tangible in terms of happening yeah, but at the same time, you know, to my own point, like, you know, I mentioned this earlier, without him, it was a pretty flat-looking team. Yeah. The bottom of the roster in terms of their creativity, the ability to turn nothing into something. So I do wonder if the Bruins hit that point as well. They're like, we can't sit this guy. He's too important to our middle six. Like, we, like we need his creativity. We need his spark, right? But this is when you come back to the cushion they've built to be, to be in the playoffs and you got to just keep racking up some points, even if they're loser points, you know, get a point here, get a point there. And you don't have to, you know, be in, be in desperation mode for the final 25 games of your season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, it's definitely something worth monitoring with Potra. We'll see how he does on Saturday afternoon against a red hot 
Coyotes team, which I don't think most people expected, but um, see how he responds from that. Uh, Ty, before we go into our final segment, let's take one more break and hear from our other friends over at Factor Meals. This holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, convenient meals to keep you energized on jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle while tackling all your holiday to-dos. Too busy with holiday plans to cook but want to make sure you're eating well? With Factor, skip the extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality you'll need. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you need to do is heat and enjoy. Skip the stress of meal prepping over the holidays with Factor. Choose from 35-plus weekly, flavor-packed, fresh, never-frozen meals that support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences, all delivered right to your door and ready to eat in two minutes. Looking for special occasion meals during the holidays? Level up with Gourmet Plus options, prepared to perfection by chefs and ready to eat in record time. Enjoy premium ingredients like broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. When you're too busy running around to plan lunch, Factor has you covered with lunch to go. Effortless, wholesome meals like grain bowls and salad toppers that are ready to eat when you're on the go, no microwave required. Looking for calorie conscious options over the holidays that also taste great? Try delicious, dietitian approved, calorie smart meals with around or less than 550 calories per serving. Need an extra boost to support your wellness goals and feel your best during the holidays? Try Protein Plus meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving. Enjoy the extra convenience any time of day with an assortment of 45 plus add-ons to suit various preferences and tastes. Choose from breakfast items like our delicious apple cinnamon pancakes, bacon and cheddar egg bites, and potato bacon and egg breakfast skillet. Or for an easy wellness boost, try refreshing beverage options like cold pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. With Factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice. We offset 100% of our delivery emissions and source 100% renewable electricity for our production sites and offices. This November, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. Ready in just two minutes, no prep, no mess. So head to factormeals.com slash poke50 and use code poke50, that's P-O-K-E 50, to get 50% off. That's code poke50 at factormeals.com slash poke50 to get 50% off. Shout out to Factor Meals. Uh, again, maybe uh, we should give a few Factor Meals to Matt Potra and Mason Lorai. Bulk up a little bit, get ready for the uh, strenuous 82-game season. But um, great meals, great product. Definitely go check them out, Factor Meals, Poke 50. Ty, I was thinking uh, to end this episode, let's talk about a, a bit of a blast from the past. And this is uh, in wake of Duke Rask making his anticipated return to the ice. Had people in an uproar. You had people wondering whether he was going to be an e-bug, whether he was stepping in with Jeremy Swayman out sick uh, on Thursday. Just there for practice, taking over. Brendan Bussey gets called up, so it wasn't anything to do with it. Even though some people lost their minds about the, the mere presence of two grass walking those halls again. Pissed very some weird. people off for some reason. Yeah, Very, very weird people. Guys just chilling. Also, dude literally works for the team, so he's around a lot, guys. Like, he's not been banished. For the another room, he's either golfing or in like a luxury box most yeah. nights, and he's he's and, he's around. So and he lives here, I think, eleven months out of the year. Yes, so he he's around, guys. <laughs> hate, hate to hate to ruin your your uh, perception of Tuco, but 
It had me thinking, though, people, I think more rational Bruins fans excited to see him back on the ice. Who's like one Bruins legend from, let's say, since, since like 2000, uh, over this like recent chapter that this team desperately needs right now in terms of the, in terms of that player's skill set, what they would bring in terms of like maybe their prime, prime career. We're not talking about like uh, uh, an aging Tom, uh, Tim Thomas or Rask or Bergeron, mm-hmm. like prime level, which what kind of player does this team need right now? Yeah, you know, part of me wants to save Tim Thomas just because he wouldn't hug any other goaltender. He'd be that like, get the, get the hell out of my way. I want to win the game. Um, he would skate. He would skate right past the hug. He would just yeah, book it right leave. down to the tunnel. Um, I would have to say a guy that I, I think got snubbed. He got he got absolutely snubbed uh, on the top one hundred. But it's the first guy that came to mind, right? Because I, I could say Bergeron, I could say Krejci, I could say Chara, but we've seen those guys. I want to go a little bit farther back. Brian Ralston Ooh. shot the puck like 110 miles an hour. He was a penalty killing machine. And he and he just he was great. He, he, like I loved Brian Ralston. I I if you can if you can talk to me about one guy that I wish they didn't let walk during the 0506 lockout or the 0405 lockout. They left all their guys walk. Brian Ralston's that guy. He was great in Minnesota. You know, he had, he had, a, he had a, a good run after that. But I got to go Brian Ralston. The two-way game, the the absolute cannon of a slap shot, I, I liked him a lot. So I got to go. I'm going to go with him. It's just a deeper cut, I know. But I don't want to go cliche and say Bergeron. So I'm sure you're going to pick Bergeron now because I'm, I'm, I'm the king of doing bad things like that. But no, I got to go Brian Ralston. Perfect secondary scorer, what they would need. Uh, no, I'm going to go cliche, unfortunately, Ty. I'm going to do Greg Zanin, guy this team desperately needs. Oh, hell yeah. Hell of a beard. Uh, no. Uh, I won't go with the cliche answer. If I did, I would probably say Chara, which every team could fucking right. use a guy like Chara. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm going to go with, I, I'm looking more at defense and the guy that I think is rightfully, I think, celebrated with how good he was. But this team needs a Dennis Seidenberg. I think any playoff team needs a guy like Dennis Seidenberg in terms of how many minutes he could log how good he was on the PK knew when to set the right tone with a hit or uh, a really gritty shift out there. I mean, he's the guy that I think uh, delivered that huge hit to start of game seven against the lightning. Right. And like yes. maybe the, the best game ever, like knew when to pick his spots as to deliver energy to this team, not the flashiest guy, but I think you look at what his skill set is and what he provided, you know, not just that run in 2011 where he just went sicko mode, but when you look at every team that goes on a deep playoff run, regardless of the roster, regardless of the makeup of the team, whether they're rush heavy, forecheck heavy, what have you, you need a guy like Seidenberg uh, anchoring a, a key spot in your lineup. So I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Seidenberg, a guy that uh, maybe doesn't get as much credit as the the usual suspects, but love him, great yeah. player. I, I mean, that's Alec Martinez, you know, yeah. the last year for that's Vegas. Good, that's a good comparison. It's the same kind of player, block shots, can play both sides, known more for his defense and his offense, but can chip in on occasion. Uh, good oppo top pairing kind of guy. Um, Seinberg was really good. And, and, you know, it's really interesting. Seinberg was one of these guys that when he tore his ACL in 2014, he just wasn't the same. It, like, he just didn't have the same acceleration. Funny Dennis Seidenberg story. He played uh, – he played for the Carolina Hurricanes in 2008-2009. Uh, he was a monster uh, against the Bruins in that second-round series. Actually, I think it's how 
he got on their radar. They they're like, this guy is a nightmare to play against. Uh, Lucic got very sick of Dennis Eidenberg very quickly in that series. And uh, the story goes, uh, they're midway through the series, and Lucic says to him, hey, why don't you fight me? I'm, you know, kind of sick of this. Why don't you fight me? He goes, I'll beat your ass. Dennis Seidenberg goes, yeah, I know you will. I'm not fighting you. Like, he was, like, <laughs> he was very aware of his limitations. He was like, I know. I'm not going to fight you. That's crazy. I'm not doing that. So, I, I will block <laughs> I will block 14 shots in a playoff game and be fine. But, no, I will not get into a fisticuffs. New into pick yes. his battles. Exactly. Now, I, I'm glad we also didn't go with, like, the – if we're looking at prime guys, of like, oh, I will take – 27 year old Yaramir Yager. I'm glad I'm glad right. we have guys that aren't, aren't at the top of the list that no shit everyone would love to have them. But in terms of the unheralded guys that, uh, you know, we're not saying we're not throwing out like a Sean Thornton or Greg Campbell or someone like that. Again, key guys for what their roles are. But um, in terms of another top four guy, another middle six guy that can put the puck on net, like Ryan Ralston, as you said, guys that I think this team would desperately need, as would any team bracing for a deep playoff run. So that Dude, was our I, fun. I, I totally slept on <coughs> – sorry. I totally slept on how good Brian Ralston was. Those three years in Minnesota after the yeah. lockout, 34 goals, 31 goals, 31 goals. Guy was a monster. Like, ugh, can't believe they let him walk. I, I can't believe they did that still to this day. So I will always be upset about that. So he's got to be my pick. Yes. No, that, that was a good one. Um all right, well, that, I think that wraps up our uh, extended episode uh, of Poke the Bear. Ty, uh, where can we read, listen, and uh, get all of your work? Well, listen, you can listen to me on this podcast. That's probably the best place to find me. Uh, reading, you can find me on on uh, 95sportsub.com. I'm on their website, and I'm on Twitter slash X at, at underscore Ty Anderson. Perfect. And you can read all of my stuff over at boston.com and follow me on Twitter X, whatever the hell it is, at Connor Ryan underscore 93. So this was our latest episode of Poke the Bear. Uh, I'm Connor Ryan. That is Ty Anderson. You guys have a great rest of your week. <laughs>